0: knock knock hello, hello. There. who's there i don't know i don't know knock knock jokes sorry
1: well you can't just like give us a knock <laughs> knock joke and then not oh my god yeah that was just, was just not how it works
2: <laughs> it
0: was just my way of saying that i'm in the room you know so, so, so it was the, it knock, the knock when knock you that go I'm, when you walk in the room
2: So it's, so it's the mom knock knock it's the knock knock i'm opening the door as i'm knocking
0: exactly
1: Everyone and welcome to May We Geek Again, Episode Two, a podcast covering a little show we all know and love called The Hundred over on the CW network. We're back, bitches! Episode Two, guys. Um, I'm one of your hosts, Jennifer, and I'm joined today by my co-hosts, Joe and Shaheen. Hello, guys. Howdy. Hey. Hi. This is like, <laughs> could the energy level be any lower?
0: How's it going? <laughs>
1: It's going great. Um, I guess I should disclose. Black bitches for real. (laughs) So I'm about uh, one dram into Lagavulin 16, which is a nice, funky, smoky, peaty Scotch, and apparently nobody else is drinking. So I might be a little silly.
2: Well, I had a bowl of kashi kashi So you know, (laughs) wow, watch out! Living it up on a Friday night. Whoa, Jesus
1: Christ. It's like, I know the the, uh, glow sticks are about to break out over there. So I just want to um, give attribution. We have a theme song, everybody. um, And it's called what is it called? It's called Discipline by a little band um, that some folks may have heard of called Nine Inch Nails. They are on Creative Commons, guys. The music is free. It's it's free for a non-commercial use. So I chose it for our theme music. Uh, but apparently my co-hosts have zero taste in music and don't appreciate the genius that is Trent Reznor.
2: I would say I appreciated it when I was a lot angstier, you know, and, and the music spoke to me. And, you know, I had a lot of feelings about things. And they were important feelings. <laughs> But now now I sit at home on a Friday night recording podcast eating uh, Kashi. So my life skill, you know, my life direction and trajectory has sort of changed a little, I
0: suppose.
1: Uh, I suppose. But I have I've, no
0: feelings. Uh, oh, so
1: well, I've been in love with Trent Reznor ever since uh, college and his video for Closer made me feel things, um, weird, awkward things for him. So it's just great that were they like adult
2: things. Well, yeah, they
1: were adult things. And it's like, uh, it's great because, you know, as he, as I grow older, he grows older too. So the attraction is age appropriate, I feel. Um, so I just want to thank everybody for joining us, uh, on our second podcast. Um, y'all can find us on social media. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at may we Geek again. Um, our feed is now available on, on iTunes and uh or also on tumblr as well uh, It's uh, maybe or whatever it is just i don't get tumblr um i it's have a hard the time worst. it is tumblr the worst. uh
2: like uh like it's fine like if you just want to look at things but if you want to do something it's i don't understand again maybe this is my Kashi lean showing but uh <laughs> i'm not getting paid to say that like i just like saying it They're not paying me, though. Any Kashi people who want to send me cereal will talk like send us a PM.
1: Again, reminder that our theme music is under the Creative Commons, no commercial license. So we can't make any money off of this. So folks, stop sending in all the (laughs) free cereal. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I mean, honestly, like if it's between
2: free cereal and Creative Commons, I will buy us some music so I can stockpile some cereal. Like
1: we're going to have to we'll talk about this later. You just want to ruin the whole Nine Inch Nails thing I got going. So, yeah, we're on uh, Twitter, uh, iTunes, Tumblr. Um, you So we welcome all your feedback and questions. Uh, so um, be sure to check us out on social media. And you can direct any specific hate towards me. And you can find me on Twitter at Coolhandluquette, And I also have a little uh, blog called shenanigans.com where I do... Um, uh, uh, the 100 reviews, and I think I'm going to start working on my season three wrap-up tomorrow, uh, barring any hangovers or other plans. Uh, spoiler, spoiler alert, I won't have other plans, so probably start working on it. Um, so <clears throat> the, the the thought around episode two is we're going to go all the way back to the beginning of the series and, and start watching it from episode one. And the episodes we're going to uh talk about today are um episodes one through four so the pilot earth skills earth kills and murphy's law and just giving you some uh, season one uh, details the pilot and Earth skills were both written by Jason Rothenberg, and for uh, episode three, our writers were Elizabeth Craft and Sarah Fain, and for episode four, our writers were T.J. Brady and Rashid Newsom. So, folks that we haven't heard from, I don't think, in a long time, save for Jason Rothenberg, um, but we got some good work in uh, in the first uh, four episodes. So since we're going back to the beginning, I really want to know, given the kind of the makeup of the folks we have on this podcast, how the hell did we all get into this show in the first place? So, Joe, let's start with you. Uh,
2: well, let's see. Um, my significant other, my girlfriend, had gone out of town for a few days for some law school thing or whatever. And she got back and was like, hey, we need to watch this show. And I was like, oh, OK, sure, let's let's do that. And, you know, like getting through the first three episodes, I was like, are we like, did I completely like miss, like identify you? Like, do I, can I trust you again? Like, are we, are we like, are we about to like have to throw away like actual five years of, you know, a loving relationship because holy shit, what are we watching? But then, but then people started dying and I was like, yeah, this show. And so that's, that's where, that's where the magic started.
0: Okay, Shaheen, Um, what about you? Well, I uh, I was watching something, I think some Comic-Con panel or something on YouTube. And I think um, Eliza Taylor was on it and a bunch of other people. I think I was watching it for some other actor or actress. um, And they said something about, yeah, so your character just killed 300 people. And um, I was like wow, what's, what what's this show about <laughs> um <laughs> let's go check it out so um that's how i found the hundred i actually um obviously i my jaw dropped around right around episode three four five um but um i wasn't really dreading the first few episodes that much it was fine they got it got, un-
2: un- it un- got astronomically
0: better obviously but
2: like I feel like on on the rewatch like and maybe it's because like I have a special right. affection for certain characters now but like at the same time like I was watching it I was like okay it's not it's not nearly as like hokey and heavy-handed as I remember it but again like that's probably because uh you know because I knew where it was going though full disclosure I do have a buddy um, who's watching who's doing the rewatch with me who has never seen the show and uh she she definitely there were there were a few moments there were, there, were, there was a lot of groaning at Finn Um, you know, and his, his ultra cheesiness, but, uh, she actually also really like enjoyed the first four episodes. So I would say, you know, maybe I was just being a little harsh.
1: Uh, yeah, no, I
0: mean, I, I guess I'll go through some of the reasons why, uh, I feel like it's not that bad, but obviously there's a lot of cheese and there is a lot of cliches and, and some of the main motives are totally different.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Now, before we get into that, let me share how I got into the show, if you guys care. I mean, you can. You, you I mean, guys I guess.
0: can. Okay. Do we? Okay. Uh, okay. So. Uh, okay. All right. All
1: right. Okay. Cool. 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 So, um, every year I take two weeks off during the holiday vacation, and I just pretty much meld with my couch um, and turn into a very lazy, self-hating creature. Like, in the, the first week of, of my holiday season, 2015, um, I decided to watch a little something that Netflix dropped over the holidays called Making a Murderer. I I binged that over two days and came out of it depressed, angry, and ready to rage at anything. So I was looking for something a bit lighter, um, something a little bit more fun to watch, entertaining. And uh, I had known from uh, Eric Goldman, who is a uh, TV editor over at IGN, that he highly recommended The 100. So I'm like, okay, it's a CW show. It's going to be a kind of light narrative with pretty teens, maybe some cool action and drama and whatnot. So I'm like, okay, I'll just start watching it. It's first two seasons are on Netflix. Um, I got through the first four episodes and I was ready to fight somebody because I was like... This is not the light breezy show I fucking signed up for. Um, Like, what the fuck is this?
2: Like a 12-year-old just killed someone and then killed herself. And you're like,
1: oh. I love (laughs) it. (laughs) I love it. But it was like, it had me so hooked. I spent the next couple of days binging the rest of it. Got depressed because it was over. And then binged it fucking again. um, And just became like the most obsessed person ever ever. As like a forty three, now forty four year old human being with other things going on in her life, apparently did we all not
2: binge? enough. Um. Yes, we did. All of us binged, right? Like yeah. none of us. I mean, yeah. we all watched season three live, but like we all binged.
1: Yeah. The first
0: two seasons. Yep.
1: Yeah. Yeah. All right. Just you know, cool. But like, I, 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 I like. I think I forewent showering. Eating, just like anything that had to do with normal human existence yeah. and just binged the fuck out of this show. So you were um, pretending
2: you were a hundred, like you know, just no shower. <laughs> like you were you were season three, Clark. You were you were ahead of the game. Like you were you were being a gross a gross delinquent.
1: I didn't kill anything though. I did manage to maintain my animals, my pets. Did you
2: kill your self-respect?
1: Look, any look <laughs> Two weeks off of me having just to just answer the fucking question. Just look, it's a yes well, or no. No, no, question. no, 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 no. Okay. Uh, yes. And because okay, moving me on. with two weeks of no goals in life is a very bad thing. Like I have to be at work. Somebody has to tell me what to do with my day. Otherwise, I will likely die in like three weeks. Um, so that's how I got into it. Um, doing a quick. So we kind of all really discovered the show. I don't think any of us really came at it except for maybe me. I came at it from a, a CW perspective. And I say that with a quotes around CW um, with because my uh experience with the network was vampire diaries, another sort of light fare that that wasn't really high stakes. So the show really surprised the hell out of me. And then I did some research about the CW and the target demographic everybody thinks CW is going for is not the target demographic they are going for anymore so the this the 100 um and a lot of their new shows that you see coming up um on their fall uh schedule along with Jane the Virgin uh uh Crazy Ex-Girlfriend some of the other more serious more adult stuff is really the 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 t- demographic that they're shooting for so <clears throat> moving on into the the actual four episodes you know, the whole thing is everybody lands on on Earth. Um, <clears throat> you've got some, uh, you've got the, the the tension between what's going on on Earth and what's going on in the Ark. So the, the folks on Earth need to figure out how to survive, and not only just how to survive on Earth, but obviously how to survive one another. As you can see, not everybody is on the same page when it comes to being a a nice person. Up on the Ark, you've got Abby very much in some some power plays with uh, Marcus Kane. as really just some hot foreplay for these two. I swear to God. Right?
2: Like who would have thought like the, that Cain that would have turned like sexy beardy Kane. Cause back then he was like evil and his hair was slicked back and you were like, Oh, I hate that guy. And then now you're like, Oh, Cain. Oh. And you know, I don't know. And you know, not Penny's boat, but that's a separate issue.
1: Yeah. But I mean, now I just want a full size body pillow of Marcus Kane. Um, to, for platonic reasons, obviously. Um, so the, you know, we've, through these four episodes, we have a few, um, dramatic, uh, occurrences. You've, you get, uh, Jasper getting speared in the first episode at the end of the first episode. So Clark and everybody else realizes that they're not alone on, um, on earth, um, you also have some some power plays going on with Bellamy trying to assert his power. Um, I think he's a really interesting character in these in these four episodes, especially in relationship to Murphy as well. Um, and then you've kind of got the same power plays going going on up on the Ark. And then the 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 thing that grabs everybody is the end of season uh, episode three. Charlotte shanks wells in the fucking neck. Like this little girl kills uh, an almost grown-ass man. Um, I didn't see it coming. Maybe y'all did. Um, But I was, again, I came into this with the idea that this is a CW show, low stakes, nothing really important is going to happen. And then that leads into episode four, which is really the episode I think That just sort of elevates the whole show into a series where you don't know what is going to happen. That you realize that there are no deus ex machina type things in play. You're not going to get the little girl saved or redeemed. You're going to get some harsh shit going down. Because at the end of the episode, Charlotte eventually kills herself. Uh, And then we've got some other cool things going on throughout these four episodes. We've got the introduction of the angel, Raven Reyes raven Reyes. raven yay yeah oh god
2: raven was like
0: awesome from the moment from yeah there's no to raven yeah yeah it's like she's in in space floating and um uh, welding something uh, yeah they really did um did a good job with her character yeah
1: she was kind of a she was kind of that spunky smart ass from the very beginning um and if you look at her her relationship with abby as well like doctor mechanic starts basically in these first four in these well she's she's introduced in episode 2 so in these first three episodes you can really see a connection between the two raven who doesn't really have a mother figure to look up to and of course abby who um sent her daughter to the ground and is doing everything um, including putting herself at risk in service of, of trying to help Clark. So there's, there's some really, really nice intimate moments between those two building that relationship that we've come through seasons two and three to really, really appreciate um, as kind of a, a surrogate mother and daughter relationship. Yeah. So um, I, I don't know if this is kind of a rhetorical question, but I have it down here as something we need to discuss were you hooked after the first four episodes and which episode hooked you? For me, yes. I was in as soon as that knife went into Wells's neck and it seems like <laughs> such a fucking psycho thing to say. Um, but I was like, they just killed off somebody who I had assumed would be a huge main character moving forward. And they just like offed him. He's yeah. dead. Well, and, and a little girl f- did it. I think that it's, like, it was that moment, but that also
2: kind of, like, sealed off the love triangle that was, like, the normal CW thing to do, where it was, like, uh, Finn, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, Wells. And then it's, like, nope, just kidding. Yep. Where it's, it's a line now. That love triangle is a line. Um, <laughs> and so I think that that was, like, that kind of, yeah, when Wells got killed. Which, I mean, yeah, it sucks. Like, I would have liked to have seen more Wells, and I'd be curious, like, if... What might have happened with his character Like if, you oh, know, God, yeah. where his character growth would have happened But, um, but I think, yeah, that moment Where she, where, where they start Actually killing kids, not just, like, them Being stupid in the dropship and, like Dying out of their own stupidity
0: Yeah, it's In a way, it's uh, What's awesome about it is that It sucks that he died And that the story is willing to Go there, so It was awesome Um, yeah yeah, I was, I was hooked to other things uh, in these episodes, too. I mean, obviously, these moments that showed that uh, this show isn't kidding around uh, hooked me for good. Was, but, was
2: that pun on purpose? Kidding
0: around? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, nice. So, yeah, but there were other things that, uh, that attracted me to it, like um, the world building and all of that. And we can maybe talk about that later. Um, yeah. But yeah. And the characters, I think from the beginning, there was some mystery to them that was interesting. Like, even though in some ways they were tropey and kind of um, familiar, um, but there was was weird things about them. Like, girl from underneath the floor. What is that about? Or... um, yeah, illegal spacewalk What does that mean You know So all of these uh, Backstories were uh, Already there in, in the first episode um, Or first few episodes That was So it was In in um, To some extent Well planned From the beginning
1: Yeah I think uh, The one thing That we need to Kind of focus on A little bit Is that The pilot starts out With some pretty common Character archetypes Or stereotypes So So You know we've come a long way since then. So, so when you're looking at these four episodes and you're taking them as as its own little little contained unit, how effectively do you think the show started to move away from these um, these common archetypes? Um, and, And what I mean is, if you if you just take the pilot by itself, you've got you've got Clark who's kind of the the type A personality the group leader who will not get anything less than an A on this project so she's going to put her everything into it you've got um you've got Bellamy who's trying to be the bad boy you've got Murphy who's just kind of a shit heel from the very beginning uh, you've got Finn, who's bad boy lights slash swashbuckler. I really his archetype confuses me he's a little sensitive. bit. He's sensitive. He's sensitive
2: and all knowing. He's he's trying to be wise beyond his years. You know, trying to like show Clark that like he sees her and he <laughs> sees Wells, and you know, he like he knows what's up.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and speaking of Wells, you've got Wells, the best friends, who's who's pining for for his his you know his best friend Clark. Um, and then of course you've got Octavia, the, the stereotypical sexy girl. And then up on the arc, you've got, uh, Marcus Kane, who I thought was, you know, fit into the power hungry stereotype. Probably he struck me more than anyone else as being the, okay, here's the archetypical power hungry antagonist. I am going to be very bored with him. And now I'm like, <laughs> I need a full size body pillow of Marcus Kane. Uh, for platonic reasons only, but I mean, just like things switched around so quickly in season one, um, with these archetypes. And I'm just like, for you guys, did those, did those, uh, did those switches start to occur in these first four episodes?
2: Um, I would say for me, like, especially like Clark to me was Hermione on the train, Like, know-it-all, you know, the whole thing, and, like, everyone else kind of rolling their eyes about it. Um, But the moment that she killed Adam, where you were like, damn, she is not fucking around. Like, you know, you're like, oh, she's, you, you would kind of expect her character to be squeamish. Um, And, you know, we kind of find out that, you know, later on that, you know, maybe she like, you know, worked a little bit with her mom and like knows like Mm -hmm. a little bit of medicine, stuff like that. But, you know, at the same time, you're like, you just straight up like knife, you know, mercy killed a kid who was like dying of, you know, radiation tumors or whatever. You know, we don't actually know what the smoke monster was at that point. And so I think that was definitely that moment for Clark. Um, I don't think we really saw a lot of sort of moving away from those, you know – one-dimensional characters with many other people except for maybe Bellamy um, where we did definitely see a kind of a oh, shit, what have I done in his, you know, starting this, like, Lord of the Flies, you know, no rules, camp nowhere kind of a thing, and then being like, oh, we maybe should have some rules. I am also the oldest one here, and maybe I shouldn't be such, you know, such a dick. Um, And so I think think Bellamy had the most growth, but I think that I was also equally surprised uh, by Clark, especially knowing how the show goes and how it's very much uh, from her perspective, and that, Sort of, you don't actually get the sense of where the show is going in terms of strong female characters or how strong they're going to be. And so I think that Clark killing Adam was definitely that first seed planted. Sure. Shaheen, what about you?
0: Um, so I think I kind of touched on this already. Uh, I, I feel like while I agree with everything you guys said, um, and those stereotypes were certainly there, um, maybe this is just a product of, again, rewatching looking back at it I feel like the germs were planted um from early on like uh, I feel like Kane even though he's like 90% that guy the power hungry whatever stereotype um you can kind of see um that maybe his motivations aren't so um corrupted um even in the pilot, you know, I think there's that that conversation between Abby and Kane. Is that in the pilot where they say um, Kane says, "I'm trying to make sure the human race survives," and Abby says, "I'm trying to make sure we deserve to survive." Yeah, um,
1: yeah. So I that, think that's in. Uh, that, I think that's in the the pilot. I did, yeah, I did notice that very, very much.
0: Right, like that sets up um, the tone of the entire show all, all the way through. Even season three, you can uh, you can. Um, you can say that that was kind of uh, another version of this question that Clark had to deal with at the end of um, at the end of season three. So, um, yeah, so I think there is some good stuff in there um, that kind of uh, signals that some of these stereotypes are open to change. Um, so, yeah, like Clark is called a traitor at some point and, and I'm like, hmm, what is that about? And So... Uh yeah, but yeah, definitely um there's a point where it becomes obvious where you know they do some shit that you didn't you were definitely weren't expecting uh like Clark killing Adam or uh, you can draw the line at different places like um Charlotte or Murphy being hanged or um or the culling would be probably the most uncontroversial line to draw. But yeah. Yeah.
1: So, Shaheen, to your point about Cain, about one of the things I noticed um, when watching the, the first four episodes, there was a there was a quote from Jaha to Cain um, that and this resonates and, and finds its beat in, in especially in season two. When Jaha says uh, to him, This job requires more than simply following the law. It mm-hmm. requires one knowing not to. And immediately I was just like I went right to that scene in season two where he's having, uh, Abby shot clashed Mm -hmm. (laughs) again, just more (laughs) very weird. kinky foreplay? But but that was the moment I thought that Kane just kind of realized exactly what, what Jaha said to him that, Uh that applying the law isn't necessarily the right thing to do, especially Mm -hmm. when it, it betrays kind of who you are at your core and i think you know we'll we'll visit this as we go through the next two episodes of our podcast and and we uh we we visit the 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 rest of season one and we, and, and Kane goes through such a huge transformation, but he still doesn't quite make it over the hump where he fully self realizes as he does in season two, um, after he shot lashes Abby and becomes kind of Kane, the diplomat Kane, the guy who rises above these, these petty, I must adhere to the law type things mm-hmm. and becomes more of a pragmatist and understands what true leadership is about. So I think that hmm I think that he's probably probably going to be one of the guys that I identify later as one of the most interesting characters in in a set of episodes but but I think we need to visit right now um, wh- who you guys thought was the most interesting character through these f- first four episodes. So Joe and I are on the same page when it comes to who we picked, but Shaheen, who did you... <laughs> you have a weird pick. So I want to hear from you first.
0: Um, I just picked John Mbege. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Why? Wait, who... I, I, I'm sorry, I'm bad with names. Wait, who is he?
0: John Mbege is um sort of one of bellamy's guys he's one of the first people that bellamy sort of brings into his own uh group um i think it's him and murphy um
2: oh
1: so he's the other john
0: yep yep he's He's the other john
1: So not not to make this crass but he's one of the African American actors yeah. and he he is the one who calls for correct me if I'm wrong Shaheen but he's the one who calls for um, Murphy to be lynched in season I'm sorry in episode four
0: actually he's one of the people who helps Murphy I thought so too because there's that other black guy um who call who's really adamant about lynching Murphy but John and Big is actually one of the few people who's trying to help Murphy in that scene and, and he sticks with Murphy throughout. Um,
1: really? I thought, I thought Murphy eventually kills him.
0: No, he gets uh, his throat slit, slit through with, um, by one of the grounders. This is like one of the first people to die in the hands of the grounders. Wheeler alert. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, really. If you're listening to this podcast, you probably know the series inside yeah. and out.
0: I mean, we um, kind of okay. said that we can reference things from, anywhere right
1: well yeah certainly this isn't for this isn't for newbies um spoiler spoiler alert um so okay so obviously i'm i'm very misinformed because i thought john and beggy was one of murphy's um victims when they had the um that bleeding disorder that bleeding disease that they had so right
0: no that's that's that other guy
1: so why do you why and, do you why do you think this guy is the most interesting character? So
0: he has um like silently, he he's making choices. He's siding with Bellamy, and then he's kind of betraying Bellamy by um siding with Murphy for a while. And then when they banish Murphy, uh, he has to decide again if he wants to go back to camp and uh, be Bellamy's goon or um go be Murphy's goon. And so he he sides with Bellamy, um, and then he uh, he gets his throat slit. So
1: I I think it's really interesting the dynamic that that John Murphy um, is to the whole group of people. He right. he he is Bellamy's like right hand man at the very beginning, um, but he's 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 the guy that does what Bellamy is unable to do. And spoiler alert, my most interesting character during these first four episodes is going to be Bellamy. So this is, this is in relation to Bellamy. So Bellamy is very interesting because if you watch him through these first four episodes, you can definitely see he has a lot of doubt um, when he's doing some of the more extreme things that he finds himself doing. Um, and it's just, it's done very well by just Bob Morley's acting. It's not necessarily, a, an expository thing, but you can see that he doesn't have the, the desire to go that extra mile to do something really horrible. You know, you, you, see that with Adam, he is unable to kill Adam. Um, he is unable to, to do a lot of the stuff that he, um, he thinks that, that, he needs to do in order to maintain leadership, but well, he Murphy. He doesn't want to get his hands dirty. He doesn't want to get his hands dirty and Murphy I, is I in the I, dirt. I don't think that that is the case here, Joe. I think that he is, he, he doesn't want to get his hands dirty, not because it's inconvenient. I don't think he is capable of no, getting his hands dirty. That's,
2: that's, that's totally what I mean. Like he is oh, not. Okay. Okay. He He doesn't want to, as in like, not that he doesn't want his hands dirty. It's that like, he doesn't want to put his hands in the mud. And, like, John Murphy is like, I'm fucking dirty already. Let's do this. And yeah. so, you know, he, like, that's where their relationship kind of comes from. Because, you know, Bellamy sees someone who will take orders. Like, he gets to be the, you know, the alpha in that situation. And I think he realizes sort of, you know, that John Murphy without a leash, like, maybe, I don't know. Like, it it, it, becomes, it becomes kind of an interesting moment when they break their relationship and, you know, he and John Murphy gets hanged.
1: Yeah. I think the, the interesting thing is that when Bellamy aligns himself with Murphy and, uh, you know, with Murphy as his second in command or whatever, or the guy who will do the dirty work, um, Murphy is in a very tenuous position. He only has power with Bellamy and the small group of people that follow him. You can see, Um, in episode four, when he calls for the whole group to go after Charlotte and hang Charlotte, that only his followers really want to go through with that action. So Murphy only has agency in that he has a small group of people who are just as probably as psychotic as he is. Um, and only if he has Bellamy's backing. If he doesn't have Bellamy's backing, Murphy's out there on an island with his four or five guys who will go out there on an island with him. Um, and even at the end of episode four, you see his his guys, quote unquote, his guys are like, fuck it, we're not following Murphy into banishment. So Murphy is kind of like this guy that um, has a very limited capacity within this whole ecosystem to maintain his position and once anything is thrown out of balance as far as bellamy's faith in him or his people's faith in him or the the general population as a whole turning against him that dude's on the outs um so i think murphy is a really interesting um he's very singular in these first four episodes he's kind of like the most um you know, he's the most binary person in these first four episodes. He is the least surprising. Um, But I think he also serves a very interesting role in that if you're this dick, once you're out of power, you are out of power. Um, And, and it's, you know, it's very evident by his banishment at the end, But, but going back to Bellamy, that's just my take. These first four episodes, Bellamy is the most interesting person. He, 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 emotes more than anybody else. Um, and I think he shows a lot more doubt in what he's doing than anybody else. So, Joe, you said Bellamy was your most interesting character. What what sort of uh, take do you have on him?
2: Um, I mean, I, I would just, you know, uh, sort of agree with, with what you had said. You know, he, he comes to the ground. He's older than the rest of them. Um, we find out that, you know, he was, uh, you know, just some janitor. Uh, on the Ark, um, but he's sort of, I, he both takes it upon himself and is sort of thrust in this position of, of leadership. Like he is, you know, the biggest and the strongest among them, and uh, and so he, you know, but he wants people to like him also, and so he wants to sort of separate himself from their life on the Ark. Like he has a sister who had to live in the floorboards. Like he, you know, definitely. Carries a pretty big you know chip on His shoulder and he wants to sort of Make this Unruly lawless Paradise um and then I Think he has a moment of kind of Growing up for a second and being like You know it's a reality check of like Shit we are on our own We you know Clark had To kill a kid because there's Unknown things out there and So um you know The moment where he, you know, kind of goes along with the mob mentality of, you know, killing John Murphy and then realizing that if he's going to lead or be in any kind of a leadership capacity, because we do know that, you know, Clark kind of takes up that mantle and Bellamy kind of becomes her general. Um, But, you know, if he's going to if he's going to, like, be in this position of power, like... He actually has to own that. He cannot just let the mob mentality rule because then yeah. there is blood on his hands. If he allows it to happen because he could have stopped it, if he allows it to happen, then like he straight up would, you know, John, you know, Murphy's death would have been on his hands. Even though he's a dick, he was still innocent. And so I think like Bellamy sort of transitioned just in those first four episodes of realizing we need rules. can, I can be a leader, but like, if I'm going to say that I'm going to be a leader, then I actually have to follow through with that. And I think that that's kind of a big, a big sort of growing up moment for him.
1: Well, I have a, I have a question about the, the episode four scene where Bellamy is the one to kick out the box from under Murphy to hang him. I, I don't understand why he, I think I understand why he did that. Um, because he needed to show leadership in that moment because there was no way the mob was going to listen to reason at that point. But I'm also like, okay, so he's showing leadership, but is he really actually thinking that that's what he's doing or is he going along with the mob mentality? I mean, what is driving him in that moment?
0: Yeah, I felt like it was a little too uh, quickly. <laughs> he he like decided that that's what he should do, kind of. Um, too quickly but um, I think the idea was that um, he was trying to keep it it um, from getting out of control so um, he just thought he has to give them up what they want um, but it was yeah it, it felt like he should have pondered on that a little more um, yeah. but yeah um, can I inject something I wanted to say about this I think this is the best place to say it. Um, sure. I think that uh, one thing that also was, again, another thing that was interesting for me from the beginning and kind of dragged me into the show was uh, how they. Uh, it's always about building a society. Um, and for, for a story about how to build a society, um, we had to start with, we kind of had to start in this place of whatever the hell we want um because that's always assumed to be the so-called state of nature where uh, before there were any laws before there was any uh, social arrangement everyone on their own everyone uh fighting for themselves um and then presumably people realized as the story goes that uh it's better to give up some of our freedoms and but uh have some rules um it's in the interest of everyone, so I, I feel like we had to have that transition, um, and so that's kind of uh, one of the purposes that the first four episodes serve. So um, I think it's not completely out of tune with the rest of the show.
1: Yeah. So um, I'm looking. Lurk- I'm looking at the um, the. The run sheet for our podcast, and this—I <laughs> remember this question came in from Joe when we were talking on on Skype chat. <laughs> Joe ask it. I can't.
2: Uh, so, so you know, going back to the beginning of the show, you're like Clark. What what's up with your voice? Like it's it's so high and breathy, and you're like it's it's so like false sounding and. You know, the question is not to be too crass about it, but, you know, when did Clark's balls drop? And like, because they did. There was like a moment where you're like, yeah, like now let's get down into like sexy Clark voice. Um, And, you know, like I wonder, I wonder how much of that was like them. Like I, I, I almost wonder if it was a conscious choice of like she is this like accommodating, smart, you know, pretty girl, you know, who like. Wants people to like her and she's got this, you know, like she doesn't want to like have, you know, a very like commanding voice or anything like that. And then like she starts like killing kids and like kicking ass and she's like, fuck it, we're doing this, you know, <laughs> and like I, I, I just I, I wonder like and that happened around like episode three and four, like it started to go down and now like it's, you know, it's 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 sexy Clark voice. Um which I don't think anyone is complaining about, but I just, I wasn't sure if that was like maybe an intentional thing of like for the character or maybe like test audiences were like her voice is too high. (laughs) Like I just, I'd, I'd I'd be curious to like know the answer to that, but I'm glad that it happened (sighs) and I approve.
1: I, I, you know, I, I take a more, I took a very pragmatic view of your, your question of when did Clark's balls drop? And I thought, well, maybe perhaps it, it was her becoming more Eliza Taylor herself becoming more comfortable with an American accent. Oh yeah. Like you can definitely tell. Yeah. Yeah. Not necessarily. um, You know, I don't know. And I don't think it was a conscious choice by them, but God bless her voice. now.
2: Oh Lord. do Do you think it could have been like, she was a child when they landed and you know, she grew the fuck up and like, her voice ta- deepened.
1: Uh we're talking 6 months on the ground. I, I don't no, think No, no, that- I mean
2: like metaphorical child, damn it. <laughs> like like I mean obviously like she is 6 16 17, 17 she, on the no, show No, she was like, she, she was a I think a month away
1: from turning 18.
2: Right. right. So like, I mean obviously like I I you know, if it was sort of a a an underwritten thing of like oh, she was a child when she landed on the ground, but now you know, like she killed her first, her first, you know, <laughs> now, now she's other a person, and now now she's a woman. She's you know spilled blood, as they say. I think um, there is
0: something to that. I think that there's. It's it's like I always say, if if you sort of assume that every day is more is like a week. I know it's not, but like if you were to assume on this show, everything kind of has a different meaning. And you can sort of understand a lot of things better. Um, And it it feels more realistic, too, because in six months would be like, um, I don't know, uh, 42 months. So that would make more sense.
1: That's uh, Look, I am a lowly uh, holder of a degree in literature, and I don't do the maths. It still doesn't make sense to me, though. It's like... I'm going to, I'm going to stick with my, I'm going to stick with Eliza Taylor got a lot more comfortable speaking English or speaking in American accent, (laughs) speaking American, uh, speaking American, uh, (laughs) um, could also be the influence of, uh, cigarettes. Um, just, I'm not saying, I'm just saying, uh, if you, if you creep her Instagram account, um, uh, she but, is also yeah, so. more
0: and more miserable, so
1: <laughs>
2: like maybe she just kind of beat down, like she's the earth, just sad. Just, the earth she's dragged just more her and, more and her like, voice down yeah. to the ground. As as so you're basically saying she's droopy you. dog, <laughs> she's droopy dog with a shank, oh, and she no. will shiv a bitch if needed. Yeah. She's droopy dog. <laughs> Next question.
1: Next question. Another great question. I think I came up with this one. How many seconds did it take you to fall in love with Raven Reyes? Trick question. Negative
0: five. (laughs) (laughs) I think, didn't we already answer this?
1: No, we didn't. We're going in order, Shaheen.
0: Pay attention. No, we did answer this because we said that (laughs) Raven was awesome as soon as she appeared on the screen. And that's interesting because i wasn't expecting it to be i didn't remember how she was introduced i thought that the the scene where uh she comes into the airlock and takes off her clothes i thought that was maybe (laughs) later um and but but that was the first one and and it was a cool natural intro like um like here's this ass kicker like a good intro is like when you feel like you're dropped in the middle of this person's life and they're not like introducing them to you as if this is the first day of their lives um so
1: and you and you feel like you kind of already know them like you get who they are i kind of felt like i got who raven was
0: yeah and her mannerisms is consistent throughout so yeah
1: I just think it's interesting. You're like, yeah, when she came through the airlock and took off her clothes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, who was
2: not a fan? Like, yeah. f- fight me.
0: And that was the last time we saw anything like that. Well, she had sex well, with no. With I mean, too.
2: no, because then wait, wait, are we talking about
1: Octavia jumping in the water and like but that? That was
2: the Raven. Fire.
1: Hey, did did you like? Did you like everyone's reaction? Should we have had a clue to Clark at that point in time? I know, right? Oh, God! Hello, nurse.
2: (laughs) But like, looking like knowing that they like film in Vancouver and it looks very foresty and stuff like that. And I'm just like, that water looks cold. Like that just. That doesn't look fun at all. Like who, I, I don't know. Maybe I've also never been like locked under the floorboards of a spaceship my whole yeah. life. And, you know, maybe, maybe you just become overwhelmed and need to jump in the water with, a,
1: you know, a snake monster. Yeah, um, but they, I don't but know. They don't know they're in Vancouver. They're in, where do, where do we assume that they landed? Like, uh, East coast? Uh, in East Virginia. Coast, like Virginia. Virginia Virginia, yeah. But, but I wanted um, to
0: talk about this. If where's the weather? Thing.
1: Okay.
2: What do you want to talk about?
0: About the location and the world building and all of that.
1: Okay, hit it.
0: So um, that's another aspect of it that um, um, dragged me into the show was the world building. And uh, part of what I like about the world building in the show is that um, they used actual locations. They kind of... Obviously, it's all ruined and it's all different. Um, So it's really cool. And I feel like... um, some, I've, I've noticed that some people don't know uh, this. Uh, this is not um, speculation or theory. This is facts about the story and about the real world. For example, Mount Weather is a real location in Virginia. Um, it's a real bunker that exists and no one knows what's inside it. But uh, uh, the idea is that uh, it's a bunker for important officials and the president and whatnot in the case of a nuclear disaster or some kind of disaster uh to take them to that bunker so it, it, they used yeah. like a real place in the real world um and it's interesting so we know that they dropped somewhere in virginia near mount weather um so far and then didn't didn't as the other sorry, items didn't sorry are introduced we can sort of locate them the where center. they are Ton, dc and the arcadia and all that stuff Go.
2: S- sorry, sorry. Didn't somebody from the subreddit, like, actually go and take pictures of Mount Weather? Like, I-, I feel like I remember seeing that, that, like, somebody was like, hey, yeah. it's a thing.
0: Uh, no, I Mount Weather is that. a thing.
2: Yeah. I, like, it was, it's, it was, it's a thing. It's it's like some, it, it, I don't think it's a nuclear bunker, but, like, it's a thing. Like, it exists now. Right, um, yeah. As a place. Yeah.
0: And no one knows it what's inside actually, it. It's um, all conf- It's all classified
1: it was actually mentioned lately on a TV show and I can't remember if it was super, I want to say supernatural, but that doesn't feel right. Mm. But yeah, it was, it did have a casual mention on TV show. So we're basically dealing with the Virginia and the Maryland and the, the, you know, right. the district of Columbia area. That's, yep. that's Washington DC for everybody. Um, That whole area. <clears throat> so, you know, depending on what month they dropped in, it, it could be, 80 degrees, 90 degrees. I don't know what the weather is like on the East Coast. I only know what the weather is like in Houston. And it's just like hot as fuck or mildly hot as fuck and hurricane East
2: Coast is less hot as fuck, but way more humid as fuck.
1: No, 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 no. I beg to differ. Come to fucking Houston, all right? It's like thirty bazillion percent humidity right now. All right, <laughs> is that also is that imperial or metric? <laughs> that's that's imperial and metric. I don't fucking care. You have to realize we have we're so close to the Gulf. We have bayous running through the city, um, and why it's just why would you live there? I, uh, um, like yeah. ten years ago, it was really low cost of living.
0: Are we now still it's talking high about cost the of
1: sweat. No, sorry. Um, no. Oh, oh I, I'm sorry. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Houston <laughs> Weather Podcast.
0: I just wanted to say a good segue back to the 100 is that <laughs> um, there seems to have been some major uh, climate change as a result of these nuclear bombs. Like, things, shit has changed. Like, Manhattan is a desert now and, like... It's yeah. These kinds of treat. We haven't like, learned
1: that yet, though. Yeah. Yeah, we don't. But we like, don't know that. are. We just know that they are
2: two-headed deer.
0: I know, but like, we if we're talking again. about what's real in the show, uh, a lot of weather has changed a lot. So yeah, which but, happens and, in a in a nuclear apocalypse. I'm told, and
1: I just, I just kind of, <laughs> I just kind of do a, uh, I just kind of do a hand wave of um, these scientific. Science. Yeah, like, you know that GIF where, where what's his name, is like Magic from SNL? Yeah. Um That's my, that's how I view, that's the lens with which I view all this shit on the 100. I don't care about this stuff. To me, I'm like.
0: It's part the, of the fun, though. It's part of the world building in this case.
1: I love world building but I don't like this these little nitty gritty detail world buildings that I don't care about. I care about the characters more and I'm like, okay, so you're going through a desert that just happens to be the same place where Manhattan was. I don't really give a fuck and I don't wow. care about the science behind it.
0: Well, uh, I mean, it depends wow? on what you mean by the science behind it. Because that that whole concept is very important very um, I don't know, sad and and impactful for me of like Manhattan having turned into a desert and the the head of the Statue of Liberty is sticking out. Anyway, yeah, but that's been so... <laughs> that
1: is so overdone. I mean, that shit... Like, Planet of the Apes did that. Uh-huh. I don't know if they were the first that did that. We're talking, like... Wh- when was the first Planet of the Apes? Is that back in the Wait, 60s? Could, could we not have gotten, like, a damn dirty panna? Like, is that...
2: <laughs> is, is that upcoming? Like, is that season four?
1: Damn dirty pawn <laughs> Exactly. So
0: you're saying um, the imagery... Imagery is overdone.
1: <laughs> I think the imagery is 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 overdone uh-huh. um, because when you take when you think about the symbol of America, it is marca, it is the Statue of Liberty, and if you if you destroy it, if you bury it, that is a very powerful thing that resonates within Americans. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not saying it's not a, an ineffectual symbol or image. I'm just saying I've nah, been there, done that, you know. Right. Um so, I mean
0: they don't really I, use that in the show, it's kind of in the intro sequences. But the point of Yeah, you're just, right. just like the fact that you're walking through Manhattan, I mean I don't really care too much about the statue per se. There's also like the Manhattan Bridge. But the concept of like that's presumably what like that was the pinnacle of our civilization and now look what's left of it. I guess maybe it's yeah. overdone, maybe I don't know. Um I don't okay. maybe I haven't watched too many of, um, places where this has been shown. So,
1: um, <clears throat> yeah, so uh, mo- moving on a little bit, I'm going to, I'm going to skip a couple questions that we have here, um, and get to, um, something I think is, is important. Uh, does anyone else miss Wells? And, the the framing of this question really comes in, you know, how would his relationship with Clark change? How would he have viewed her as she went through her journey? Now, from my perspective, I think Wells would have been a fascinating point of view character, especially to give us a different view of Clark, somebody who has been a lifelong friend with her. And Wells seems to be a bit of an optimist and maybe a bit of a pure spirit, even more so, but a pragmatist, like even more so than Finn ever was. Um, And I really, man, I really wish that they had picked somebody else to die in episode three other than Wells, because I think he would have been a fascinating, um, uh, fascinating guy to view Clark through. What do you guys think? I mean, I I think
2: on the one hand, I didn't want him to die in the, in in the sense of like, yes, he would have been a very interesting character. On the other hand, I think he had to die. Um, I think he was Clark's last tie to who she was. He was the person who knew her, who knew what happened to her dad, who knew what happened to her mom, like him dying made it so that she could become what she ended up becoming. And like, I, I, I'm jumping ahead a little bit um, and there was sorry I'm trying to like find the line where uh, Clark actually says um, we don't decide who lives or dies not down here and I think with Wells there she wouldn't have become the leader that she did and that's huh? that's who she became she decides who lives and who dies
1: like so- that's who she is. So you think that she would have that, that? Wells would have become like, uh, shit. What, what is the what is the thing on engines um, in in NASCAR engines, which which basically says you cannot go above this miles per hour? It's I mean, a I restrictor, I a restrictor. Like it's a restrictor. Jiminy so, Cricket. So so basically, you think that Wells is basically the restrictor that that would have kept Clark in check. And would have stopped her from becoming, you know, at the end of season two, one Hedda. I
2: think that given, I think that given their history and everything like that, like and and because she was gonna, she was she was moving towards forgiving him, um, especially because you know, obviously he didn't tattle on her dad. Um, I think that he his opinion of her would have carried a lot of weight, and I don't think that he, I think that she would have cared too much what he thought in to not be a leader. And I think that Lexa provided sort of the polar opposite of that, where she was encouraging Clark to follow her instincts and to become the leader that she ended up being and, and to to make these hard choices where I don't necessarily think that Wells would have supported. I think he would have like told her to back off of some of these choices, some of these like terrible things that she ended up doing to save humanity. I think that he his kind of cold feediness, um, that's that's just kind of the impression that I got from him. Like, not to say that he wasn't smart or wasn't good or anything like that. I think that he was too good. I think that he was too much of an optimist.
1: Huh. Interesting. You know, I would I would have loved to see um, kind of a verbal sparring between Lexa and Wells. Now that you mentioned that, that he might have provided a counterpoint to some of the the philosophies that Lexa held. Um, oh, Shaheen, absolutely. Shaheen, what about you? Do you miss Do you miss Wells?
0: So yeah, I feel like uh, it's hard to say what the difference between Clark and Wills was exactly. um, They were kind of very uh, very similar. Um, So if they had kept him Mm -hmm. on, they probably could have taken him in any direction that they took Clark in, uh, and sort of have like two Clarks.
2: Oh my God! What if Clark
0: duplicates?
2: What if he became like? What if he became one header? Like, what if like this was actually like Dark
0: Wells, yeah.
2: and like they became you know. I could see it. But I, I think I think they had to get rid of someone who was buzzing around Clark. Yeah. And they have Bellamy, and they have Finn, and they had Wells, and you know, and for Bellamy whatever reason. Bellamy is such like, a necklace. better
0: counterbalance, I think, to Clark. A More interesting counterbalance. I, yeah,
1: yeah, he's definitely very interesting counterbalance because we see that he he has darkness inside him and he has the capacity to make some, some very bad decisions and feel really bad about them after he makes those decisions. I think it's, shall you really think that, that Wells would have mirrored some of Clark's traits.
0: I'm saying that it could, it's possible that he could have been like, if Clark had died in episode three and Wells had stayed on, he could have gone on the same journey as Clark went.
1: Hmm. That's really interesting because I see him as the guy. I see him as the guy who who would not be able to kill Adam, um, like Bellamy was unable to kill Adam. So I, I guess I have just a a very different view of Wells. And but, to mean, be fair, they guys, all change, we, didn't, so. we didn't see a lot. Yeah, yeah. Your point is very, very right, Shaheen. But to you know, we also didn't see a lot of Wells to really be able to put a stake in the ground as far as who he was right. um, and who he could have become. You know, I, I've run through my mind, like, what if it was Finn who had died in in, in episode three and maybe Wells who had turned a little bit dark in season two and, and Clark had to kill Wells in episode, oh, spoiler alert, <laughs> in episode. You know, you, you have to, there's a lot of shit that has to shift around as far as, you know, Raven's uh, relationship with Finn and all that stuff. But I think Wells would have been a far more interesting character um, to carry forward than Finn. And, I, you know, a lot of people will will kind of, Shit on Finn a little bit. Um,
0: I like Finn. He, I
1: think Finn had his place. He had his what? If he had his place, but Shaheen, you liked Finn. Yeah, you're like the one person in the world who likes Finn.
0: Uh, I don't know. I think that you're you might be exaggerating. There are some people who do <laughs> like Finn. I mean, he had complexities from the beginning. Um, one of the things that interested me about him was that um, when he he basically helped Clark figure out that um, what Wells had done, and that that it was uh, Abby who turned uh, who turned over uh, her husband, uh, Clark's father. Um, That's true. And he had no reason to do that. I mean, at that point, we thought that he was a, a rival for Wells, but he basically helped Clark make up with Wells, yeah. and he was smart. Like he totally read Wells. Better, better than Clark. So uh, that was interesting. And then he became a pacifist. I think we needed that voice. Someone had to be a pacifist, whether he was the best choice or not. Is, I don't know. But yeah, yeah.
2: But where did Finn's sleeves go? Like, at what point was he like, "I'm on the ground. I'm gonna wear a vest now." <laughs> like, that's that's really the only part that I like wasn't able to follow. Um, but maybe that's a personal issue that I have with vests.
1: So. What were some of your favorite scenes from these episodes? Let's start with Shaheen.
0: Favorite scenes. Um, first of all, I want more fucking glowing things. <laughs> um, just I across want, the board. Yeah, That's, just things that everything
2: glow. Everything glows.
0: <laughs> I like it. Um, did you like Avatar? I did not watch Avatar.
1: Wait, for real? Yeah, for all right, we need to stop the podcast. Um, <laughs> go, go spend <laughs> the hours and three watching and a half hours. hours. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Can so- we just,
1: as an aside, as an aside, really quick, like is Avatar the movie that nobody really needs a sequel for, but that uh, Homeboy is making sequels for? I mean, I'm, I'm into
2: it for the technology. Like the tech that they used for it was fucking amazing. Like it's the only 3d movie that I have actually wanted to see in 3d. I will not see 3d movies, but like that one, I'm like,
1: I'm into it. But I mean, but seriously, like when you think about huge blockbuster movies, obviously avatar was one of them, but it's so out of the conversation that it's just like, eh, avatar, it was there anyway. Okay. So back to Shaheen, your favorite (laughs) scenes. Glowing shit.
0: I like glowing shit. Um, I like that scene where they're watching soccer together. <laughs>
1: that's so brutal. <laughs>
2: why? <laughs> that's so I bland. like it. I don't Wait, how does why? TV work there? That's my question, okay? Because, like, presumably, like, they have, so like, cool. like, how big is their archive they're, of, like, television?
0: So what's cool is that one of, or one of the things that's cool about it is that they're betting on something that happened in the past. Um, they're like all trash talking and bidding, uh, but it happened 97 years ago. So, um, but they don't know what happened. So, to them, it's, it's, I the think future. they knew
1: what happened.
2: Um, um,
0: they know what happens.
2: You think they're cheaters? Like, you think that somebody would like pre watch that, that game? <laughs> oh, big huge. You don't think Clark is a big huge fucking cheater? <laughs> Come
0: on. No. I mean,
2: okay, that's, that's, yeah, Clark, Clark wins at all costs.
0: I also like when Clark says uh, to Charlotte that um, maybe they can put the pain that they experienced on the arc behind them and maybe the ground will be a new beginning. And I'm like, yeah, right. Just (laughs) wait. Just wait like 24 hours. (laughs) That, That dialogue is like so awesome because it's so quickly proven wrong and permanently that it's just, like, that's so awesome that that dialogue is even there.
1: I swear to God, Charlotte and fucking creepy little kids. I, I can't deal. <laughs> I just cannot deal.
0: Well, no, I, I,
2: awesome. I always have a problem with the creepy kids because, like, she's supposed to be, what, like, I would say, like, 12? Mm-hmm. Like,
0: I think that's what I sometimes, said.
2: sometimes I have, like, a real issue with kids who are supposed to be, you know— 10, 11, 12, you know, 13 or whatever. And they make them so dumb. <laughs> like some of, <laughs> nice sound effect. I liked, I like that. Oh, oh, that's um, me pouring
1: more, more Lagavulin. Thank you.
2: Um, I, you know, just like, I don't know, like a 12 year old having nightmares. Like really? Like that was kind of the part that I didn't. And like needing a pep talk from Bellamy and, you know, oh, she's so that scared or whatever. I, I don't know. Like, I, I, I feel like I needed her to be eight years old for me to buy that. But, like, obviously they're not, like, going to put a kid, an eight-year-old kid on death row.
1: Yeah, but didn't they didn't they float, both of her parents? So I, I would imagine that would have a huge psychological impact on you, regardless of your age. I don't know. I guess I just don't have a lot of patience
2: with, with creepy kids.
1: <laughs> oh, I have zero patience with creepy kids. Trust me. It started with uh, uh, Stanley Kubrick's The Shining, um, you know, fucking Elliot and his Red Rum shit, and then those two twins in the fucking— yeah. Hotel, yeah, fuck that shit. I saw that shit when I was like eight, and it's impacted me obviously all these every years time. Later. Like you're not allowed near children's playgrounds because you
2: just like talk under your breath and are like fucking creepy kids. Like that's why. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I just like, don't you're like cre- out. like I don't like like I had a hard time watching the Babadook because I knew there was gonna be a fucking creepy little kid in it, and it actually turned out to not be that scary. But still, creepy little kids, I just kill them off in the first two minutes. I will be fine. <coughs> just kill the creepy kid. Okay, cool, 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 cool. All
0: so, right, gotcha. Sh- Sh-
1: Shaheen, did you have any other uh, f-
0: um, favorite,
1: favorite scenes? And I love, like, your takes because you have, like, the weirdest favorite scenes. <laughs> Mine <laughs> are just like, oh, I love this scene that everybody else loves.
0: I like um, Abby and Clark's cell. I think that's one of the um, – the moments, earlier moments that's kind of touching and and you kind of feel some emotion because, um, you know, she's come back to what you've seen before a couple of episodes earlier. So it's, it's yeah. cool. I like the, the acid fog. And I have to say, Adam dying of acid fog and, of course, Clark mercy killing him uh, and Murphy being hanged. Those are uh, my... Favorite scenes, but also um, two of the most creepy, creepiest and sort of most disturbing scenes that I've seen in this show. And that includes Raven slicing her own wrists and all of that stuff that we see in season three. I still feel like Murphy being hanged, the whole lead up to it and then the way they did it and how helpless he was and how scared he was. It was just so, so disturbing and I love it.
1: Actually, that's, I think that's a lot of people's favorite scenes from these first four episodes. Mm -hmm. What I love about it is that Clark is the instigator here and she's, she unintentionally starts all this shit. And the way, like, so she, she goes and she's, she determines that everybody should know about this information. Kind of like Jake, her dad thought that everybody should know about the, the arc dying. Mm -hmm. So she goes out and she tells everybody, Hey, you know, um, Murphy is responsible for Wells's death. And then shit spirals. So out of her control at that, that point. And I just love how the show, um, illustrates, how the same type of instinct in people can lead to very, very different results. And, you know, the mob mentality takes over. The callback kind of to the Lord of the Flies um, takes over.
0: Right.
1: And, you know, Clark tries to stop Bellamy from all this happening. And Bellamy basically says, hey, this is on you, princess, and kicks the box out from under Murphy. Mm. And I was just like, this is such a fucking awesome scene because it shows how it shows you how quickly things can get out of your control, how the mob mentality can can just burst through and take somebody and take a situation to its extreme point. And I just love how, um, you know, Murphy was basically going to die in front of everybody instead of in, you know, in. Except for Charlotte's like, oh, guys, oops, I killed Wells. My bad. (laughs) Um, I I just think that that was such a a pivotal moment for the show that that illustrated that you can't always follow your best instincts and expect others to follow what you think should be their altruistic instincts. Because shit will go sideways so fucking fast on this show. And I think it was a huge lesson for Clark.
2: I think I think to your point, like I think that this is something that's paralleled very well in uh, in season two with um, the missile getting uh, fired into Ton DC and Lexa basically being like, "You shut your fucking face! Like, <laughs> shut your mouth about this! I How will kill Octavia about this! <laughs> like." You know, like, it's it's kind of, it's a lesson that Clark learned, but I think that, like, in that circumstance, she was about to kind of go back on it, like, being like, oh, we did this, you know, we're about to do this terrible thing, we did this terrible thing, and Lexa basically saying, like, this is what leading is, like, sometimes you have to keep your mouth shut, um, and, you know, it's not right, and it's, you know, it, the truth doesn't, ha- the truth can't come out all the time. Um, and I think that that was that was something that they really paralleled very well in in season two.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's just obvious from this perspective is you cannot trust that you cannot trust people's basic instincts. You know, it, it's so easy to get swept up in the mob mentality. You can see it now in the media, like when when political rallies, when violence breaks out at political rallies, it's like this is fucking ridiculous. People, we are an advanced civilization. And you're, you're setting shit on fire at political rallies. This is the level of behavior and discourse we have. So I, I I totally agree. I mean, like, this has got to be one of my favorite scenes of the whole series because it just, it, like I said, it just kind of uh, sets that tentpole in the ground and lets you really know what the show is going to be about and that it, it's hard to... It's hard to be on the right side of a situation. It's hard to control a situation. And it shows Bellamy and Clark at two very different points at the very at the very beginning of episode four. And then at the the end of the episode, you see them come together. And I think this is a very important thing to note. They come together as co-leaders at the end of this episode and explain to everybody that, hey, this is what happened with Charlotte. She flung herself off a cliff, and for his role in everything, we've banished um, Murphy. And it's a shift away from the Bellamys' idea of whatever the hell we want to a more, um, I guess, civilized is the right way to. I
0: don't know. I think say it's it. the the climax the climax in that uh, storyline that I was talking about of. Uh, starting from what, whatever the hell we want and the state of nature and realizing we need rules. This is like a perfect climax for that where it's like, okay, now we definitely need some rules around here. Um, so it, it really kind of, uh, drove that home. And I think this scene is also important in that, uh, we realize that on this show, the, Uh, everyone can be wrong and Clark and the main character the protagonist can be wrong uh, in serious ways and and learn things I think that's very important so Clark is not like uh, that heroine who just can do no wrong and every decision she makes is awesome Um, so we get that early in the season that's pretty good Uh, and it it... forges the relationship between Octave uh, sorry Clark and Bellamy so I think that's great too.
2: I, th- I think to your to your point of of setting stuff up for Clark, I think it, it 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 really sets up sort of the journey that she's about to be on, where her her being wrong mm-hmm. can be catastrophic for oh god yeah so many people, and like it just sort of you don't really realize it in this moment of just like this mistake that she made. Like it's it's kind of like it's presented as sort of like a singular sort of like learning mistake of like you know people are fucked up and they're going to get out of control. This becomes, Oh, you don't even know how much of a leader you are yet and how big your decisions are about to be and how like, wait, I mean, you know, it it goes back to, you know, the, the end of, of season three where she has to pull a lever and like, fuck, what is she going to do if she's that wrong? You know, like Mm -hmm. what if she's wrong? And like the amount of pressure that her character takes on it, uh, you know, as, as the show progresses, I think is, is really, it's, it's the weight of the world. And, you know, we, yet again, if I'm, if I'm going to call back to Buffy, like we're, we're, we're again, going to see like, you know, a blonde, a blonde teenage girl, like making just the most heartrending decisions. Um
0: right.
2: I think, you know, that you ever see.
0: I think it's you also um, the moment that she realizes she definitely needs Bellamy um, to to run things. Like she can't do this without Bellamy because she sees how everyone kind of looks Mm -hmm. up to Bellamy. So, um, and everyone follows him. So she, she, at this point she realizes I can be like the voice of reason and he can be the charisma and sort of, exactly um, the, yeah, like the, uh, what's it called the motivational speaker for people.
2: She's, she's the brains
1: and he's the pretty face.
0: I guess. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. In,
1: in, I, I'm sure in the upcoming episodes of May We Geek Again, I will have some very controversial views on their roles in leadership. Um, but at this point in time, I, I think they're very much, they have, uh, they play very distinct roles. I think Clark understands that she needs Bellamy because Bellamy has the voice that has cachet with people. Whereas Clark is still viewed as that, um, you know, princess. Alpha Station, yeah, Alpha Station princess leader. She is one of the elite uh, of of the old arc, as mm-hmm. it were. Um, so she's kind of going to take on that role and, and people might be a little bit, um, it, you know, not trusting her and, and you know, she's she's not the the she's not the voice of the people at that point in time she's the voice of the ruling elite, much like wells was with with charlotte at, you know kind of the stand in for his dad um so you know we're still on favorite scenes so joe what what are some of your favorite scenes from these first four episodes
2: oh uh it's honestly something that I, like, never really kind of thought about, like, I, at least in these in these few episodes, because they all kind of just serve to me as, like, sort of building the show. Um, though I was – I kind of oddly enjoyed rewatching the scene of Wells and Finn and Clark in the old car, um, mm-hmm. if only because it felt sort of natural in a way of, like, they're trapped in a space and uh, – and of course they find a bottle of alcohol that has managed to you know survive all this time never mind all that and they all drink it like pros um but I kind of just loved when Clark lays into wells and like huh. shit gets really uncomfortable and Finn <laughs> is super uncomfortable because I like in in that time I identified with Finn except for me if there's an awkward moment like I'm climbing out of that car and getting burned by acid fog like I peace out <laughs> of awkward moments like I will just like creep out of a room and leave like I don't care who I'm abandoning like all <laughs> (laughs) I'll I'll leave like you know my significant other like you know talking to like people at a wedding like of my friends and I'm like deuces like I'll see you I'll see you later shit's getting moved you're just gonna do the Irish goodbye just yeah basically and you will never see me again um so I kind of I I kind of liked sort of the the tin can um you know they're stuck and there's no escape from like. This this horrible awkwardness. So I guess we're gonna be teenagers and drink and talk about our feelings. Um I liked that. Uh I I maybe the one person who didn't really like dig Jake kind of a thing. Like I was just kinda eh, on Jake. Um, you know, any of their <laughs> like family building stuff. Um yeah. I did uh Jake I, is I too handsome
0: say- for my taste. <laughs>
1: what? <laughs> what? Attention central casting,
0: Batman.
2: Too handsome. Too
0: handsome. Yeah, it's just too handsome to be believable. It's like family on TV. (laughs) It kills my suspension of disbelief and like yeah, it's too too yeah. (laughs)
2: i will say though that when i was watching uh with with my newbie friend um one of my favorite reactions that she had through the whole thing was like there were a few hugs on the arc and like they all got like broken up like you can't you can't keep hugging you need to stop and like she was like she was like there are only so many resources to go around for hugs like you're breathing too much air stop hugging like that was kind of one of my favorite like of her observations you know like we we need to just just stop breathing
1: no, no more hugs no more hugs you're fucking killing me over here. <laughs> that that really is like the most attractive family on the face of the fucking arc, right? Page <laughs> Turco, she doesn't age. She's like a vampire. Ever. Um yeah, ever. Eliza Taylor is beautiful in And of yeah, course, just- the actor who plays Jake, sorry, don't know your name. Um he's pretty handsome too. So, uh just, just, yeah. The genes in that family. <laughs> Do you think, like, and here's
2: a question, Cliches. though, like, you know, like, there's there's sort of this, this uh, you know, self-selecting attractiveness and stuff like that, you know, when you talk about people who are rich and powerful,
0: mm-hmm. like,
2: are the, I, I mean, like, I guess it's sort of a an unfair sampling, considering it's a CW show where everyone needs to be pretty, um, but like, I kind of wish that we got a lot more of, like, the different stations and, like, are right. people from Alpha Station like? Are they sexier? Like, is that just a fact of life? And you know, you are right. you know in mechanical or whatever, and you're you're a little homely, and like that gets back to Raven's parentage because you know she's a piece. Like, maybe her parents were you know like well to do <laughs> or something, and she finds
1: well, out that I, she I too that is I, Princess. I, I really that like all something. These- I really- is that season
2: four? Am I getting ahead of myself?
0: Sorry.
1: I, I would really like to have seen a little bit more of the the uh the caste system of the arc right. and how that affected the delinquents. Obviously Clark gets this princess moniker because she's part of Alpha Station. Um but I w- I would really have liked to see what does it mean to be from Farm Station or a Mechanic Station or, or these other stations. Like um I have a whole theory about Social systems and and you know uh, how people breed and shit like that, which is probably not what people are interested in this podcast. But special episode, I would, a special episode. <laughs> I would really have liked to see a little bit more of that stuff play out when they they hit the ground. Right. It seems like it was all directed towards Clark and Wells, but after you know after Wells died. I didn't really, I didn't really see a lot of that play out past episode four, and I think that would have been a really interesting dynamic to have explored a little bit, um, because I think these social systems, especially the way the arc was kind of, you know, uh, dis, you know, the the different stations that were there, it, it would have been a really interesting thing to explore, especially with the. Um, the Lord of the flies theme in the background, but we never got a lot of that. Um, and you know, it's okay. I mean, they moved past a lot of that stuff really quick. That's fine. Um, but in my wish list, I would have loved to have seen that whole social cast system, um, explained a little bit more and explored a little bit more. I agree. Um, so we've kind of wrapped up the favorite scenes from the episode. Um, uh, I think we're we're nearing a little bit of the end of this podcast. Uh, I hate to see it come to an end, but you know, all good things must come to an end. So, <clears throat> let me touch on a a few of the things that we have coming up. So, um the next episode, uh, episode 3, I believe will be covering episodes 5 through 8 from season 1. So, we're doing the next 4. And then and then Joe is Okay, okay, Joe. We'll do well. Actually, we have a we have a segment we like to call well actually, which is basically the topper segment or the the segment where we call things out where we want to um, show our intellectual superiority. So let's was do this, well. Was actually. this yours, Shaheen? It's got yeah. Be Shaheen. It's not a good one.
0: <laughs> it's whatever. This, is
1: so, Just, this <laughs> is so pedantic, Shaheen. This is so you. Do it.
0: I mean, Clark says I've never felt the sun on my face. I'm like, well, actually, like, how is that even possible, man? Like, (laughs) you're what is that? That's fucking the sun right outside the window. Like, I don't even understand. So you wanted her to say?
2: You wanted her to say, (laughs) so I've never felt the heat of the sun on my face. I mean, is what you're saying. Like you wanted you wanted more poetry is what you're telling me.
0: I mean, even that's not true. I mean the when the light <laughs> is coming through the window and it's not
2: like But it's not, not hot. Like, like there's like you three or so like glass. Shaheen.
0: <laughs> what does that even mean?
2: Do you leave your house? If you ever like sit outside and <laughs> Maybe like Maybe oh, that's the problem.
0: <laughs> that's the only way I've ever experienced the sun is through a window. <laughs> like I don't I don't ever leave I mean,
2: okay, that's fair. That's fair. So that's, you're bringing your experience to this. I I didn't
1: know. I'm sorry.
0: Okay. I guess the different perspectives, it's all about perspectives.
1: (laughs) (sighs) You guys are killing me. Literally.
0: (laughs) Seriously. All right. What
2: are we
1: watching next week? We're watching five through eight. So five through eight. So if you, if you count it out on your fingers, it's five, six, seven, eight, that's four episodes. And then, so that's going to be episode three, and then episode four is going to be the last five.
0: Isn't it better I, to have five in the middle and then four?
1: No, I don't feel like watching five. <laughs> <Don't>.
2: <laughs> but how do you know what you'll feel like next week when you're sitting there watching it, and you watch it, and you're like, oh, I really
1: want to watch another. Look, I can contain my discussion to the next four episodes. If you guys are unable to, that is your damage, Okay.
0: Jen is one of those so people who would rather go in on, uh, an underpass than a than a bridge, even though either way you have to go down one time and go up one time. But
1: wait, what? Are, what? I have no fucking clue what you're talking about. What? Who has Dude. such
2: extreme preferences? <laughs> like, is this like a claustrophobia thing? Because no, like, otherwise... this is
0: something they take account of <laughs> in the city planning, uh, where <laughs> they in say world that building. some people prefer if, he, if there's something that. When you want to cross a river or a, or a road or something or a highway and you, you have to either go up and then go down like a bridge or you have to go down and then go up like an underpass. And it really doesn't make any difference because either way you have to go down once, go down the stairs and then go up the stairs. Um, so you have to do both things either way, but psychologically people prefer underpasses. Oh my god! It's an irrational preference. Where you're, you're, you're basically saying that you don't want to watch five episodes this week, but then you just have to do that next week. So, anyway.
1: Hey everybody! Welcome to May We Bridge Again, a podcast covering bridges, underpasses, and and tunnels, and tunnels, tunnels. Yes,
0: you guys guys were going on and on about what was it? The presidents. All right.
1: Oh my whatever. god, we are so like. I hope everyone is entertained at this point. I'm like three drams into uh, my lagavulin, and a dram is basically I, I don't know. A very How, many fucking j- How many fingers? How many fingers am I holding some kind up of right now? State of at this uh, it's point. like four. Um, so next episode, of, we're going to be covering season one episodes uh, five through eight. We, I, guys, I really, 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 really want to talk about the, what's, you know, fandom is broken, um, article that, that came out recently on birth movies, death, I believe, com is, I believe the website, you know, you guys might want to talk about it with me. Maybe not. Who cares? I'll think um, about but it. I, I, think it's really important. I can probably go on by myself. Um, so that might be like a, um, a, a bridge episode. And I just want to remind uh, our listeners to tweet us questions or comments at May we Geek Again on the Twitters. We'd love to hear what you have to say about the podcast. We'd love to have any questions you have about things we've watched in the past or things we're about to watch. Um, and I really want to encourage folks to to pester the writer's room on social media, the 100 writer's room, um, <clears throat> to counteract a lot of the people that simply yell uh, Lexa and Balark at them. Uh, remember, our support our positive support uh, can't be assumed or silent. We really have to show them that we love the show um, by being funny ob- or absurd. So uh, I encourage folks to fight against the obnoxiousness of the shippers and the haters of the show and just come up with funny things to say, you know, they're folks like us. They want encouragement. They want funny things. They don't want just fucking noise um, tweeted th- at them all the time. So, it, you know, we love the show but we're often reticent to tweet about how much we love the show. Just fucking just give them a tweet. Tell me you love the, 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 uh, the, the, ship glowing between, forest. the glowing forest or the ship between <laughs> Raven's knee brace and WD 40. Um, just oh, that show a ship? Them, what, wait, what's that ship's name? I, it, there's not a good one for it yet. Tweet us your names.
2: Tweet, tweet us your, your um, ship names. Everyone. <laughs> I need, I need this one.
1: Just, guys, I mean, the haters are always going to be loud, and us supporters are always like, I love the show, but eh, it takes effort to tweet. No, fucking, it's 140 characters, just do it. Um, and then let's get into shows that we recommend. Jo- Joe, stop fucking, stop fucking jumping around the document, dude. You're distracting me. Okay, so my <laughs> recommendations... Um, unreal on lifetime is coming back for season two on Monday. It is a show that gives you kind of the behind the scenes of a bachelor-esque type reality show. Um, you're like, Oh, that sounds stupid. It is seriously one of the darkest shows on television. Um, probably even darker than the hundred because it takes place in our world. Um, but it's a great, great show. And then I'm going to bang this drum again. Twelve Monkeys on Sci-Fi. It is so good, y'all. It is so good. It needs it needs viewers. It needs to get renewed for a season three. Seriously, guys, if you love sci-fi, if you love post-apocalyptic stuff, if you love good acting and good characters, watch Twelve Monkeys. Uh, you guys got anything that you want to recommend? We, I will say, like, and this is completely
2: completely like outside of the realm of what we normally watch but if you have parents who aren't like hip to the to the getting into uh you know the the whole Netflix and streaming thing and you're trying to get them to cut the cord on their $300 cable bill <laughs> like me sit, sit them down to watch Fran- uh, Grace and Frankie like, the, you know... Oh, like really? My 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 mom, like, kind of got into Grace and Frankie. Like, she had some surgery last year and, like, sat on my... Cu- she was never a TV person. She kind of sat on, on our couch and, like, marathoned it. Second season's a little rocky, but, you know, eh, who doesn't love Lily Tomlin? And uh, and Jane Fonda's still a piece. So, um, but as far as, like, actual shows that I am watching, um, we actually just finished Daredevil. So we got to, like, find something oh, else to do. Yeah. Um, Second season of Daredevil, I kind of preferred the first, and I still prefer Jessica Jones over all of them.
1: I agree with you. And I'll tell you, Grace and Frankie, I haven't watched it, but y'all who are listening who might be in your 20s or late teens or whatever, Lily Tomlin is a fucking American treasure. (laughs) You need to watch some of her old SNL stuff um, to really appreciate. Was she on SNL? I don't know. I just remember her as a kid, like playing that girl who sat in the big chair. Uh, I'm, You know, I'm thinking of somebody else on SNL. Uh, Are you thinking of sorry, Gilda guys? Radner? Gilda Radner. Oh, my God. Gilda
2: Radner was. Get your old lesbian straight. <laughs> Wait, was Gilda gay? Wait. Shit.
1: No, she Shit. was married to uh, uh, Gene Wilder. What the fuck? <sighs> Come on, Joe. Yeah. Oh, Gilda Radner. Again, another like watch your vintage SNL. It is amazing. And then we'll go to Shaheen, who is only watching BSG. Oh yeah, how's BSG
0: going? It's all right. I I kind of stopped watching it. I guess that's <laughs> not a good sign. I'm gonna there's go like back four to seasons. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm um sort of in three B right now, uh, second half of season three, and it um I guess one thing that kind of makes me wanna um uh, stop watching the show is when there is too much supernatural. Mm, Yeah. When it's like Mm. it's it basically anything can happen. Like the writer can throw anything at you, and you just have to accept it because supernatural. And it's like this dude has a brother who's a column of smoke, and it's like wow, okay. Um, There's like no internal rules to it, and I feel like BSG is kind of getting in that territory, but I'm still gonna watch it. It's I mean it's still good, but.
1: Yeah, it's one okay. of those things don't where. Don't kill me. I, Lost is good I, too. Don't kill me. I actually did not finish either Lost or BSG. Uh, sorry, guys. Mm-hmm. Oh, I feel bad about that. Um, but I kind of like drop shows like a bad prom date. I don't know why. I just do. It's mm-hmm. just like That's I just abandon. For it. those of
2: us who didn't go to prom,
1: like that, that
2: that oh. hurts. It's a tr-
1: hashtag trigger I'm- warning. I'm sorry. Sorry for not being heteronormative like me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Let's talk next week. (laughs) Okay, guys. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Check us out on our next episode, and may we geek again.